Fellas, what up and welcome to the final episode of the MFHT cast for the 2018-2019 season. I can't believe that football season is winding down here with just the conference championships and the Super Bowl ahead of us. Uh, It always goes so fast for me and uh, it's been a lot of fun this year. I've had fun doing the pod. Obviously, we had a great fantasy season in the main league. Side league's been a ton of fun. We'll definitely do it again next year. And I hope you guys have had a good time with it all, too. And, you know, we still have, I think, a couple really good games to look forward to this coming weekend. So that's uh, exciting. A couple things real quickly before we jump in. Going to get to a few things today. One is I obviously didn't have a chance to get to the pod last week. So going to do a very quick review of the wild card round in our side league not going to do the whole like review everybody's roster thing but just kind of talk about some overarching stuff from wild card we'll talk divisional round and then want to look ahead a little bit to the conference championships i'm not planning to run the side league on just a two-game slate but you know hey if you guys are up for it and want to do it i'm down so let me know uh in the week ahead if uh if you guys want to dance you know let's make it happen uh i'll certainly be firing into some tourneys and some different things and uh you know, hope you guys are, are down for that too. A uh, couple other quick podcast notes uh, as we look ahead to the offseason. One is that a few of us got into playing a little bit of fantasy golf last year, which I know sounds kind of weird, but it's actually a lot of fun. And it's not that dissimilar from fantasy football in the sense that, you know, you can look at some data and you can make some predictions about what you think is going to happen. But then come Saturday and Sunday, things get pretty wild. So if fantasy golf is something that you're interested in, uh, we played mostly on a different platform last year. But I actually think that, you know, now that we have this league set up in DK, it'd be pretty easy for us to do some fantasy golf stuff. So um, we've, we've done it mostly for the big tournaments, you know, the U.S. Open, the Masters, that kind of thing. Uh, which, you know, Masters is not too far out on the calendar at this point. So if that's something that you guys are interested in, you know, let's fire that up and make it happen. The other podcast note that um, that I just want to put out there, and this is all a little bit TBD, but I have some ideas for an off-season podcast that I might roll out. And if I get around to that, if I can pull myself together and, and, and make it happen, I'll certainly let you guys know. But for now, it's just sort of TBD and... Uh, more to come on that but I have some ideas floating around that I'm thinking about so um, with that let's go ahead and jump in to the wild card round so first and foremost let it be noted that uh, I took down the wild card round as win two in my three game win streak to close out the season here which I'm you know pretty happy about although I will certainly admit that in the wild card round and certainly this week in the division round, I think I, I got pretty lucky to take down the league both weeks. Uh, both weeks were pretty low scoring weeks in our league. Wild card round, I won it with 122.42 points. The only thing that I really want to talk about here with the wild card round is this whole issue of tinkering with your lineup on Sunday morning. A lot of us make our lineups you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then, you know, we feel really confident in our lineups. You know, I typically get texts from guys, oh man, I like my lineup a lot, whatever. And then, you know, there's this um, this inclination to want to tinker with the lineup on Sunday morning leading up to lock. And I think what I've come to think about with the, the whole, you know, to tinker or not to tinker uh, question is that if you've done your research and if you've set a good lineup based on 
you know, what you think is going to happen. If you, you know, if you have a good process in place, whatever that process is, whether it's like me and just obsessing about this stuff all week, or, you know, whether it's like Tyser and just, you know, giving it a little bit of thought and, you know, taking his knowledge about the NFL and football in general and putting together a solid lineup kind of without, uh, without, you know, doing a whole lot else. That's cool, you know, and, and you should be confident in that. Whatever your process is, you should be confident in. I think that we don't want to tinker with stuff just for the sake of tinkering, you know. Um, you don't want to get into second-guessing yourself and your process and your research, whatever it may be. However, I do think that there is a case to be made for tinkering with your lineup and making swaps in your lineup before lock if and when we get new information and there's some news that breaks kind of late in the week that might lead us down a different path. So in the wild card round, that news was uh, that Kiki Kute, or some people call him Kiki Cutie, which I think sounds like a kitten name. Uh, <clears throat> maybe we'll just call him Kiki. A slot receiver for the Texans had gotten in three full healthy practices that week and was, was set to play and was looking to play a lot of snaps, um, was fully healthy and ready to go. None of us ended up playing Kiki, and I think that was a mistake. Um, he obviously went off for a huge game. The reason that I think it was a mistake is because of the type of defense that the Colts play, where they play this zone defense that's designed to not give up big plays. We knew based on what they had done earlier in the year that they were going to roll coverage to... DeAndre Hopkins, and obviously DeAndre Hopkins is a tough fade because he can beat double coverage. He's so good at contested catches. Um, but there was, you know, if we thought that the Colts offense was going to play well in that game and put up points and put the Texans in a situation where they were going to have to throw the ball, it made sense that Kiki was going to be heavily involved because they just the Texans just didn't have any other bodies. I mean, uh, Demarius Thomas is done for the year. They've got guys like DeAndre Carter and another guy named Vincent Smith they're rolling out. Their tight ends are basically a zero in the passing game. Lamar Miller doesn't feature heavily in the passing game. So, you know, if we can project that Deshaun Watson's going to throw 30-plus passes, Kiki's going to get a fair number of those looks. And I think he obviously had, like, a massive, you know, ceiling game, like kind of an outlier in terms of, what we can expect from a guy like that. But the fact that none of us got onto him before lock on Sunday morning means that we're probably not paying close enough attention. And, and um, I thought about swapping out Nelson Aguilar and going to Kiki. Um, I didn't because I didn't want to move off of Doug Baldwin, which was totally a process mistake. And I kind of got away with it. But like Doug Baldwin at 6,200, going against the Cowboys in the Seahawks offense that for some reason wants to go run, run, pass, run, run, pass, you know, like it's still, you know, 1995 or something like that. You know, that, Doug Baldwin's not a must play on the slate. Um, so I just got locked in on this guy that I had a feeling about, and that's not a very good process. I should have moved off of him. I should have moved off Aguilar. I should have got to Kiki. I knew that was the right play to make uh, on Sunday morning. I just got myself in this mode of, I don't want to tinker with my lineup. And, and so I think the takeaway again there is, yeah, you don't want to tinker with your lineup if it's just for the sake of second guessing yourself. But if you have new information, if there's news, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday that leads you down a path to say, hey, I think I could build a better roster. Um, I think that's worth listening to. And so, 
you know, again, I ended up taking down the wild card round with 122 points, which is not a very big score, even on a short slate. And if any one of us had gotten on to Kiki, uh, probably would have been the winners that week. So, you know, for those of you that are thinking about firing into tournaments this weekend or, you know, want to continue to play on DK next year beyond the side league, you know, I think that's a takeaway right there is, is think about from a process standpoint what it means to make late changes to your lineup, when to do it, when not to do it. Um, all right, that's enough on the wild card round. Painful, painful wild card round in which the Bears did not advance on the double doink by Cody Parkey. Not, not a good finish in that game. All right, let's get on to the divisional round. Um, <coughs> excuse me for a second here. I'm just pulling the results up. So once again, rather low scoring week. We had a seven man instead of the eight man that we've um, typically had the last few weeks. Our boy Travis Barsodi is on a family trip celebrating his uh, folks' 50th uh, wedding anniversary out in Hawaii. And apparently they are not down with the DFS out there in Hawaii. So they need to get their act together. And Barsodi was super bummed that he wasn't able to play in the side league this week. But hey, you know, I guess a small, small silver lining is he gets to chill on the beach in Maui. I mean, this is obviously not as cool as the side league, but you know, it's, you know, it's at least a little bit of a consolation there for him. So let's take a look at these lineups and see what people did, see what people didn't do. In seventh place, Service went with the Goff Gurley Cooks stack. So all in kind of on the, uh, on the Rams and Gurley, or sorry, Goff put up eight points. Cooks put up 11 points. I mean, obviously the Rams went super run heavy in that spot, just kind of punched Dallas in the mouth. Um, And Gurley had a good game, you know, 22.8 DK points. But I have to say, I did not see them coming with CJ Anderson and Todd Gurley. CJ Anderson actually outcarried Todd Gurley. They haven't run two backs since um, Sean McVay has taken over. It's always been Gurley. And then when Gurley got hurt, you know, with CJ Anderson... Last week, you know, Sean McVay said, hey, C.J. Anderson's going to have a role in this offense. And that's, you know, to me, that just sounded like coach speak. I was like, ah, coaches say this stuff all the time. But obviously, if Gurley's healthy, they're just going to roll with him. Um, But apparently, they had a game plan in place where they thought they could run the ball on Dallas. They were obviously right. And, um, you know, that... If they had just run Gurley out, I mean, I think Gurley would have had a 40-point game. But the fact they ran both of them out, you know, they both ended up having good scores. But it wasn't quite the ceiling that we were looking for there. And the fact that they went so run-heavy just crushed Goff and Cooks. Um, I also went with Marlon Mack. That was a popular play in our in our league. You know, Kansas, even though that game was in Kansas City, even though the Chiefs were favored, I thought Marlon Mack was a pretty good play. Um the Chiefs had given up running production all week, and we saw how good he looked the week before, or all year. We saw how good he looked the week before, so not surprising there. When Ted Ginn, uh, he missed out on just a potentially monster game. Uh, you know, they threw deep to him on the first play of the game. It gets picked off. They threw to him in the end zone. It wasn't complete. Just a, a rough result for Ted Ginn there. So, you know, kind of up and down the lineup, um, Service didn't get what he was looking for. Played Eric Ebron at tight end, 10 points. You know, good, not great. Only play that that I would question on Service's roster is uh, is Melvin Gordon um, at 6,200. I thought there were a lot of running backs in play this week, and you know Gordon was just so banged up. You know he had the ankle, he had both knees. They were saying he was going to play, but like that's just such a tough spot for him to go out and be productive. Just all banged up, having to fly to the East Coast for the second week in a row. Um, you know, just 
really, I think, unlikely that he was going to get to his ceiling there. I will say, Service was the only one that played the Colts D, which is a really bold call. Like, who's going to play the defense going into Kansas City on the road? And, it, I mean, it really worked out. You know, they got the block pump for the touchdown. They got four sacks. Um, they got a fumble recovery, 13 points. I mean, Colts D crushed this weekend. And, and in big tournaments, you had to have Colts D if you wanted to win because none of the other defenses really did that much. All right, in sixth place, we have Timothy Boyd went with Breeze, uh, did not pair him with anyone. And I think that that was kind of a downfall there. You know, on these short slates, I think there can be an instinct to want to kind of capture as much production as you can from each team. But it's tough to beat even a small group of people without capturing some ceiling. So the best way to capture ceiling is pair a quarterback with a pass catcher. So if Drew Brees is the quarterback, you know, you could go Michael Thomas. You could go Ted Ginn. Um, He played Tyreek Hill, 24.8 points, had that touchdown rush early in the game, played Mike Williams, played Bob Woods, uh, played Eric Ebron. So, you know, one of the things you could do here is you know, pair Tyreek and Patrick Mahomes, and maybe that wouldn't have worked out. I mean, Mahomes didn't have a ceiling game, but, you know, that's kind of, from a process standpoint, one way to think about it. You could pair Mike Williams with Phil Rivers. I think I think Phil Rivers, by the end of that game, probably ended up having a decent fantasy score just because of all the garbage time they put up. You know, if you like Bob Woods, maybe you pair him with Goff. If you like Ebron, maybe you pair him with uh, Andrew Luck. So, you know, right there, just going, I don't think you have to always pair a quarterback with a pass catcher. Um, but I think typically when we do that, we want to we want to play quarterbacks that have some rushing upside, and Drew Brees does not have that. So, um, yeah, just something to, to think about going forward. At running back, he played Zeke, um, who didn't have a great game. Uh, Marlon Mack, who we already talked about, and then Rex Burkhead. He was the only one to play Burkhead. I, I thought it made a lot of sense to get some exposure to that Patriots backfield because they were likely to go run heavy at home as a favorite. Um, you know, tough to tell who's going to get the work. Uh, obviously, James White got a ton of work in the passing game. I think he got 15 catches in that game. And then, obviously, Sony Michelle had the big game, too. And Burkett was kind of the odd man out. Did salvage his day by getting a touchdown and at 3,600 or whatever he was. You don't mind that. But not quite enough to get it done. In fifth place, Tyser, uh, who was leading going into... I don't know if it was going into the... Probably not the Saints game, but maybe... Um, was was either in the lead or in second place kind of uh, for, for a good chunk of the day on Saturday. Played Mahomes, uh, Damian Williams, who I thought was a really good play, uh, especially once we knew that Spencer Ware was out. That basically set up Damian Williams to capture all of the backfield work, which we know is so valuable. So he went with Mahomes and Tyreek Hill um, and Kelsey. So he went with that full game stack on, on the Chiefs. Uh, or not game stack, sorry, but uh, that's this. So this is typically called an onslaught. That's that's the semi-technical term for it. When you go four players on one team, it's called an onslaught. So Mahomes, Williams, Tyree Kill, and Kelsey, and that really got there for him. I mean, Mahomes didn't have a ceiling game, but you know Williams at 29 points, Tyreek at 25 points, Kelsey at 20 points, Mahomes at 18 points. You know, you're talking about close to 100 points with your with your onslaught, and that's going to work out really well for you. Unfortunately, he went Zeke at running back, 14.6 points. And then his 
And Slater receivers didn't get it done. Golden Tate, who I think was a pretty popular play, even though Tice was the only one that played him in our league, he was a pretty popular play across DFS this week. Um, people thought that, you know, given the game he had in the wild card round and the matchup against the same slot corner, that that would uh, work out pretty well. Uh, I don't mind the Chris Hogan play because he has some downfield upside with Josh Gordon out of that offense. Um, and I think he could be an interesting play going into the championship round. Just to, you know, he's a guy that's going to carry a low floor. And he ended up with four points. Tice played Gronk in the flex. And, and he texted me on Sunday and, and said that he was going back and forth between Gronk and James White. Which, um, it, you know, his, I think his rationale was, you know, we think they're going to try to get Gronk involved at home. He's coming off a week of rest, should be ready to go. And just didn't end up working out that way. You know, James White got a ton of run, 15 catches or so. No carries, kind of a weird line for James White, but really nice game for him. And if Tice had, you know, sometimes it just comes down to one decision, right? Like with this guy or that guy. And if you choose the one guy, it works out really well. If you choose the other guy, it doesn't work out so well. And if he'd gone with James White, uh, you know, I think Tice would have been right up at the at the top of the standings and probably, I think, would have overtaken me, in fact. And then he played Cowboys D on the road. Negative one points, uh, gave up a ton of points. Looks like they had no interceptions, sacks, or fumble recovery. So that is not going to get it done. But I I will say, I do like pairing Zeke and Cowboys D. Because if you think that the Cowboys D is going to play well and, and limit that Rams offense, and Tice didn't play anybody on the Rams, then... You know, it stands to reason that they're gonna, that there's going to be a lot of opportunities for Zeke to touch the ball. So I think that that correlation play makes a lot of sense. Just didn't end up working out. In fourth place, we have Nuts. He, or, uh, sorry, we have Bettis. He played Andrew Luck, Marlon Mack. Did not pair Luck with either pass catcher T.Y. Hilton or uh, Ebron. So we we kind of already talked about that. Um, Luck had a terrible game. I mean, he ended up with 12.8 fantasy points, but I actually think that's a little bit generous for for how that game actually looked for them. Played Mark Ingram, Marlon Mack at running back. So both guys are these yardage and touchdown backs that we talked about. You know, two receptions between the two of them. And on on a site where you're going to get full point PPR, you know, it's you need game flow to go exactly right for both of those guys to to pay off. Um, Played Michael Thomas, which was obviously a great play. God, Michael Thomas is so good. Uh, and then ran it back with Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Ertz. So I like those plays. Um, and I, I think that if you're going to play those three guys, you know, it probably makes sense to pair either Jeffrey and Ertz with Fold or Michael Thomas with Breeze. Also played Julian Edelman in the slot. He had a great game. So Bettis had some nice plays here. Just didn't fully come together. Took the negative four from the Chargers. D, so that's going to leave a mark. In third place and just out of the money, painfully so, is Bartley with 132.0 points. Played Mahomes, Damian Williams. Um, Did not pair Mahomes with a pass catcher. Went Ted Ginn, who we talked about. Played T.Y., who got a touchdown late. Um, You know, typically we want to play T.Y. Hilton at home or in a dome surface. Um, I played T.Y. Thought, I thought he was a really good play this week. So, you know, didn't quite get there. Had 16 points. I think that was more just, you know, the Colts offense couldn't get going. Andrew Luck couldn't get anything going. I had a ton of balls batted at the line of scrimmage. I mean, it was just bad. Um, Bartley with the sneaky Keith Kirkwood play, the ancillary jabroni. Uh, two receptions for eight yards, one receiving touchdown to the tune of 8.8 DK points. 
played Todd Gurley at running back, which, you know, I liked. I thought that was a good play. Played Alvin Kamara at running back. He was the only one. Kamara just didn't quite get there. I mean, he had four receptions, 35 yards, 71 yards rushing. I mean, that's a he had a good game in real life. He just didn't get there uh, fantasy-wise. And then he played Pat's D, which I also liked. And Pat's D was really frustrating because they had that game so, so under control. And they just went bend, don't break in the second half and let the Chargers pile up all sorts of garbage time points. And the Patriots have no pass rush. Their pass rush is the slowest ass pass rush I have ever seen. I mean, honest to God, I feel like Ron Tyser with his 5.85 uh, 40 time could be a starting DN for the Pats. Uh, just a bunch of slow old dudes right now for them. In second place, with the late charge, Chestnuts 531 getting himself into the money and making that 9.54 Bartley Bucks. Uh, played the Breeze Michael Thomas stack. And that got there big time uh, late in that game with that touchdown. Uh, that was just an awesome, awesome play. Played Zeke, played Mack at uh, running back, played Gronk and Gerald Everett at tight. So he went two tight end, played Gerald Everett and Gronk, got 3.5 total points out of them. Zeke and Mack got about 19 points total out of them, but his wide receivers went ham. He got uh, 20 points from Michael Gallup. Really nice play. He was the only one to play Michael Gallup with the injuries to Cowboys pass catchers. I thought that was a really nice play. Tyreek Hill had 24.8 points and obviously the big game for Michael Thomas. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Gerald Everett was interesting because, I, you know, if you wanted, if you didn't want to spend up at tight end, I thought Gerald Everett was a good way to go. Um, they just went, the Rams just went so run heavy in that game that, you know, a guy that's that low on the, excuse me, that low on the pecking order in their passing offense, you know, I mean, that's just zero. He has a zero point floor. So you can catch that. Um, I don't know, the, you know, and then the two tight end uh, roster was a, was a way to save money and pay up for some of those receivers. But I thought with as many good running backs as we had on the slate this week, that it was, it was probably a three running back uh, week. Uh, and so that brings me to me in number one with uh, first place, 135.52 points. I... Went with uh, Mahomes, Damian Williams, and Kelsey. I did not play Tyreek Hill. Um, you know, Tyreek Hill is one of one of these guys that is he's he's tough because he's priced up in the range of wide receivers that get tw- ten to twelve targets, but he doesn't typically get that. He gets more like eight. But anytime he touches the ball, he can house it. So for me, he's a guy that that I typically you know maybe I don't play him as much as I should, but. Um, Pair Mahomes with Kelsey, that worked out well. I thought one of the big decisions you had to make this week is were you paying up for Kelsey or not? Because I thought he was he was clear-cut the best tight end on the slate with Ebron maybe a close second, um, close-ish second. Uh, Damian Williams, as I said, I thought was a good play. I thought Ted Ginn was a good play, you know, missed out on a big game. I think he's a guy that in the, the championship round I'm going to be coming back to. You typically want to play him at home on the fast track down there in New Orleans. Um, and I don't think the Rams will be able to fully hold him in check. So he's a guy I'm going to be looking at this week. Played T.Y., I already talked about him. Uh, played Bob Woods, you know, just as kind of a floor play. I knew Bob was not going to pop off for you know, 25, 30 points in this game. But, you know, he had... Six receptions for 69 yards, 13.8 points. I was perfectly happy with that. And then I played Gurley at running back. The big mistake that I made was I decided to save money by playing Naheem Hines 
uh, task as you run back for the Colts down at 3,200. And playing him really opened up a lot of a, a lot of salary for me in the same way that you know nuts playing Gerald Everett opens up a lot of salary for him and, and allows you to get some of these other guys but you know there were so many good running back plays on this slate you know I, I thought about playing James White there uh, thought about playing Marlon Mack there who as I said I thought was a good play didn't end up working out but um you know, there's just so much opportunity cost with spending all the way down at running back for a guy who is a pass catching pass catching specialist and is really only going to play when they're in a two-minute offense. And I thought, you know, maybe game plan specific, they might play him a little bit more because they were going to have to pass a little bit more. But, you know, it's pretty clear at this point that the Colts want to ride Marlon Mack as their guy. So, you know, that was a mistake by me. And I, I got away with it. But, you know, as I said, I think I got a little bit lucky. Um... Nobody in our league played Sony Michelle, which, you know, is understandable in the sense that he's this yardage and touchdown back in an offense that plays multiple backs. And so, you know, game flow has to go just right. You have to think that the Patriots are going to get out ahead and kind of punch San Diego, or God, I always call them San Diego, punch the LA Chargers in the mouth, which they did. But if it doesn't go that way, then Sony Michelle is not going to really be worth playing. Um, so I got lucky that nobody played him. I got lucky that we didn't have more exposure to Julian Edelman in our league and uh, Michael Thomas in our league. Um, you know, this was not... I, I, I think I've made better lineups than this this year and have not quite gotten this result. So, you know, I'm not going to go too overboard patting myself on the back for this lineup. Um, you know, as I said, I think I got a little bit lucky. And, and I will also know I entered this same lineup in this in tournaments over the weekend and it didn't get there. It didn't cash. And uh, I really only saved my bacon this weekend by entering some, some lineups into the Sunday only slate. So just the two games on Sunday. And I did good there. That basically allowed me to break even on the weekend. Uh, but otherwise, you know, it was not a not a real promising weekend for me. And I, I actually thought the way the games played out on Saturday was pretty frustrating in some ways. So anyways, that is the wrap on the divisional round. I closed the season on a three-game win streak, which, you know, a little bit takes the sting out of my ninth place finish in the main league. All right, guys, we're running a little long here. I have a few closing thoughts on the championship week ahead and again if you guys want to if you guys want to roll a side league even if it's just a few of us i am more than happy to set that up this week i'm 100 I'm in on that if we want to do it um but just a few quick thoughts on the championship games that are coming up um and how it sets up from a dfs standpoint i mean one the first thing that stands out to me is what are you going to do at tight end because there's travis kelsey and then there's like nobody else, it, um, unless you think that Gronk can still play or has a game in him. And I'm not sure that he does. Um, so, you know, if you're entering into tournaments, it, you know, if you decide, hey, I want to play a little bit on DK this week, if you're firing into tournaments, you know, one thing you need to think about is Travis Kelsey is going to be, I mean, I'd be surprised if he's less than 75 to 80% owned. Okay, so that means that if you have Kelsey on your roster, you're basically not gaining any leverage on the field if he does good. Okay, um, but if you don't have him and he does good, you're completely drawing dead. So you need to make that decision. Um, and then you also need to decide is there another tight end that I can find that may be able to not put up the same type of production that Kelsey's going to put up, 
but that can keep it kind of close and that allows me to open up salary and go elsewhere. So that, that to me is the first thing that stands out. Second thing that stands out is all of these teams that are all four of these teams that are playing this week have multiple running backs that they use with the exception of Kansas City, assuming Spencer Ware doesn't play. Kansas City would be the only team on the slate that would, that would use primarily one back in Damian Williams. And to be honest, even if Spencer Ware is healthy and ready to go, I don't think he touches the ball more than eight times in this game. So for me, Damian Williams is going to be on, is going to be a guy that I'll be starting my rosters with. Um, the other thing, well, a couple other things here. One is, sounds like we're going to have a little bit of weather in Kansas City. It sounds like it's going to be cold. So I don't know how much cold impacts games, especially when you're talking about two outdoor cold weather teams. And certainly the Patriots have tons of experience playing in the cold. So I'm not going to worry about that too much. The thing that we want to look out for in terms of impacting fantasy production is wind. Once we have sustained winds over 20 miles an hour, that's the thing that is most likely to affect passing games. So if we just have cold, if we just have a little bit of snow, I wouldn't worry about that too much if you like the Kansas City guys, if you like the New England guys. Uh, If you are seeing reports that are talking about 20 to 25 mile an hour sustained winds throughout the game, that's when you have to start thinking about weather. The other thing to really think about on these short slates where you only have a couple games is correlation plays. You have to get the correlations right. So what that means is, you know, if you think Mahomes, for example, is going to be the highest scoring quarterback on the slate, how's he going to get there? It's probably going to be through Tyreek Hill. It's probably going to be through Travis Kelsey, right? So here's the other thing to think about with that. If you think that Mahomes is going to be the highest scoring quarterback on the slate and it's going to go through Tyreek Hill and it's going to go through Travis Kelsey, guess what? So does everybody else. So what you're going to need to do is find a way to make your lineup just a little bit unique. Um, And I think the best way to do that, I mean, what's cool about this slate is we have four really good offenses. So for the context of a two-game slate where you only have four teams to choose from, I think we're actually going to see a fair amount of differentiation within the roster, relatively speaking. But one of the things you're going to need to do is find a way to make, make things a little bit unique for yourself. So... You know, that might be, you know, looking at, a, you know, a low-owned wide receiver. Guys like, <clears throat> excuse me, Chris Hogan, Philip Dorsett. I mean, they're not going to be, you know, they're not going to be 5% owned. But, they, you know, if you can get a guy at like 10% owned on a slate like this, that can really help your cause. The last thing I'll note is the defenses. Um, I don't want any of these defenses. I mean, all these offenses are so good that I don't want to play any of these defenses, but you have to choose one. So one way to think about defense is just going with a home favored team. So we've got Kansas City, we've got the Saints. Those are the two home favored teams. They're priced up a little bit more relative to the other two, but not so much that it is cost prohibitive to get there. So that's probably where I'll be looking to start on defense. Um, Keep in mind that defense and tight end tend to be the two positions that have the most you know, most potential for variance. So you could take a defense like Patriots or the Rams, hope they score a defense down, hope they score a return touchdown. And, you know, that's really going to set you up. One thing that you might want to think about is that returner defense uh, correlation, you know, so Edelman Pats D, Tyreek Hill KCD, JoJo Natson Rams D. (laughs) Just kidding, don't play JoJo Natson. But those correlation plays are the types of things that you have to think about. You have to, on these short slates, you have to be thinking about 
correlations between players and you have to be thinking about what game flow is going to go. Like you, you can't just, you know, cherry pick good players from good teams and, and think that it's going to work out. Um, these are tough slates, but they're a lot of fun. So, um, you know, again, if you guys want to roll side league again, I'll set it up. If you guys want to not roll side league and just, you know, maybe fire into some other tournaments or whatever um, and want to talk strategy, I'm happy to do that. Happy to talk to you guys about what I think are good tournaments to enter and what which ones I think are kind of a waste of time. Um, I've done a fair amount of research on that over the last few years. So anyways, we've gone on way, way, way too long, um, but this has been a lot of fun this year and uh, looking forward to doing it again in the fall. In the meantime, keep an eye out for news on fantasy golf and potentially other podcast ventures uh, to come. All right. Cheers, fellas.